Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. I entitled this, Understanding the Kingdom of God and the Little Child. Understanding the Kingdom of God and the Little Child, and we'll simply look at it in two parts. Understanding the Kingdom of God, and we all must enter as little, as a little child. We all must enter as a little child. I was reading something this past week that dealt with uh, Generation Z and the, the generation before. I don't know if that's X or Y or whoever, right? That generation before, I, I don't keep up with that stuff. But the thing that's really scary is they, they, they predict because of what's happened to this last generation, they predict that over 35 to 45, uh, 43 million people will walk away from faith. We'll be done with it because of the things that are happening in our culture today. And think about that. That's, that's, you know, our Generation Z is actually ages uh, 13 to 18. And, and what's even worse is they're expecting somewhere in between uh, 73% uh, is where we're at now as Christians to drop by 2050 to 59% in this country. And so why is there such a rapid uh, fallout from this generation and the generation before? And, and honestly, it goes back to the 80s. It goes back to when we started going visual. It goes back to when we started going on TV and we started creating mega churches. What you're in right now is not normal. You should be blessed by that. And you go, man, I'm sitting in a VFW where they do bingo. Really? Right? But at the end of the day, uh, the churches today, their whole focus is like Disneyland. They're, they're wanting to entertain you. They're wanting to, to make sure that you have an experience every time you go in. That's why when you go into some of the big churches, this is full-blown concert. Right? And that's worship. And so they're used to that. They're used to their kids going in and playing in on jungle gyms and themed children's areas, right? TVs in every room. And, and so there's an experience that they're, they're, they're receiving, but they're not learning the Word of God. They're giving motivational speeches by pastors that wear skinny jeans. And love speaking and, you know, I, I, always, I always think of Ben Corson because Ben Corson was that guy that always was able to flip words around left and right. And, uh, but sadly, that doesn't really help anybody if they don't know the Word of God. How many of y'all have seen those commercials where the, 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 the pet commercial, I forget the name of the pet store, the lady's carrying her pet in a baby's pouch. And she says, my baby is having stomach problems and then the next lady walks up in a crib holding her son's hand and goes my baby's having stomach issues and it's a commercial for dog food you see the problem because this is the generation that we're talking about this is the generation that would that that cares more about is my dog going to heaven and they don't care about the souls that are going to hell They believe that they have a new knowledge because of what? Cell phones. They believe that they have a new knowledge on God's Word. Like, they, you don't understand it. And they take it out of context. They believe that the culture is evolving to a place where the Word of God is just something that's there, and it's up to them to dictate what they, they follow. 
76% of Generation Z believe that, that lying is not moral. 76% believe that it's okay to lie. It's not moral. How do you think that's going to be when they take the witness stand? They're just going to lie. What they do is they adapt the their religion into one thing they take a little bit of buddhism they'll take a little bit of hinduism or yoga and they'll worship that god as they exercise and then they pull a little bit of jesus into the mix and they believe they have christianity and they get all of this from tiktok they get little spurts of verses little things that tell them about jesus there was a young, a young man who was gay who has behind him, and, and if you pay attention to the TikTok, this is what you don't know, there's an Illuminati right behind him. The symbol for Illuminati. And he uses the verse, John eleven forty three. this is what they do. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus was for homosexuality. And he uses that verse to push that now we know that's taken out of context it's taken out of the context of scripture but that thing has over a half uh, has over a million views the rebuttals have close to 250,000 views where somebody from the christian community has to actually go in and explain the gospel but this is where they're getting their religion from this is where they're getting their information from it's up to us as parents to make sure that we're teaching them the Word of God and that they see it being lived out in the home. They, they suspect over 70 to 88% after two years of graduating high school to lose their faith. 70 to 88%. And if you go to college, you're in for a fight. Your, your foundation better be strong. Because you're going to be tested, especially if you go to a secular college. And, and so this is what's happening with our kids. And this is why it's so important as we talk about the children, as we talk about the kingdom of God, is so that they have an understanding. Our job here is to equip your kids with the word of God. They're in the book of Revelation right now. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter. They're going through the book of Revelation. Now, I only get them Sunday and Wednesday. What are you doing with them the rest of the days of the week? How do you talk to them about God? How do you spend time with them about their foundation? As parents, we have a responsibility. As grandparents, we have a responsibility. What we want to do is we want to see our kids... Our children, our youth, and our young adults as they head into marriage have a strong foundation in Christ and have families in this community that are examples of Jesus because that's what we need more of. That's what we need more of. Let's look at the first point as we look at the understanding of the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, we'll just pick it up there and then we're going we're gonna to focus really on 14, 15. Then they brought the little children to him that he might touch them that the disciples rebuked those who brought them. And so Jesus was, had righteous anger as they were trying to turn away the children. In verse 14 it says, But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So Jesus, with righteous anger, is, is asking the question that we all need to ask ourselves. As a parent, as a grandparent, am I hindering my children from coming to Christ? Now, what does that look like? Well, simply... Um, do you complain in the car on your way to church? I don't want to go. Man, I, he's going to go long. I don't even feel like going. They're listening to all of that. Your kids. You're hindering. The kids are excited to be here. They love being here. 
it's us is your sin keeping your kids from following Christ you, you act one way here but you're completely different at home right it's, it's an attitude that, that when we follow Jesus it, it, we want to be that, that example even in the house in the home and we don't want to hinder our kids from coming to Christ or our grandkids from coming to Christ he says the word kingdom of God and so Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to them, right? And we need to understand what the kingdom of God is. First off, the kingdom of God is not kingdom work. It's not kingdom minded, right? Those are human things that have been placed. The king of kings is the king of the kingdom of God. Because what happens is we'll talk about kingdom work and being kingdom minded and we, we don't put the king in the kingdom. We look at it as a human thing. See, the, the kingdom of God, it, it can't be vacant of the throne. It's not some utopian, that's gonna, utopian world that's going to happen here without God. The Bible version of the kingdom of God is, and this is very important, the kingdom of God is the vision of the world reordered around the powerful love of of God in Christ the kingdom of God is the vision of the world reordered around the powerful love of God in Christ remember when Jesus started his ministry in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 he says the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel that was the first words of his public ministry repent and believe in the gospel the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand you have faith and you trust in the gospel. It's his sovereign rule over your life and his people. John the Baptist said the same thing in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus was given the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, one of the things we have to understand is when he's talking about the poor in spirit, he's talking about you can't take care of everything. You're coming to him with your inadequacies. You're coming to him with your insufficiencies. And you're saying, Lord, I need you to take everything. I need your kingdom of God to rule in my life. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now when he had asked the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Within you. That word in the Greek actually means to be among you. It's among you. When you give your life to Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You give your heart over, you repent, you belong to Him. And the kingdom of God is within you. And so you have the King with you. It is not, and this is the problem with our world today, when we think of the kingdom of God, they're still looking at the kingdom of God as something physical, or material, or political. It's not that. Jesus said, you're missing everything about the kingdom of God. It's me. I'm the king. The Messiah is standing right in front of them, and they missed it. And it's within you. It's not located. This is going to break a lot of hearts. Not located in a denomination. That was man-made. Think about that. When the early church started, how many Baptist churches were started in the early church? None. How many Calvary chapels? None. The early church was the early church. There was no denominations. Those were man-made. It's not located in a physical location like the Vatican. People will say, well, the kingdom of God is in the Vatican. No, it's not. If you see what's being preached out of the Vatican, you would know that that's not the kingdom of God. It's within when we give our heart to Christ, it's within us. We will spend our eternity in the kingdom of God with the King, Jesus. 
That's why in, in Mark 14, 25, before he, as he's taking the, doing uh, the sharing in the Last Supper, he says, Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new, in the kingdom of God. And one of the things that we see is that even people today struggle with understanding what the kingdom of God is. Even Nicodemus went through this. Nicodemus couldn't wrap his head around it. Nicodemus was a, uh, one of the top Pharisees, bright guy, knew everything about Scripture. But when he had his conversation with Jesus the first time, he came at nighttime because he wasn't willing to lose his power, his money, or his influence. Remember, we talked about him last week as, as he prepares the burial for, for Jesus so when he does that, he loses everything. And he is a follower of Christ. But in this conversation, you see the struggle that he has as a religious man trying to make sense of the kingdom of God. And in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus said, answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we're going to see that word again, most assuredly or assuredly. Also in your translation, you may have truly. You know what that word means in the Greek? Amen. You know when they would say that word? At the end of the teaching, at the end of the prayer, what does Jesus say at the very beginning? Amen. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The reason why he's saying amen at the beginning is because he's saying this ain't up for discussion. We ain't discussing this. This is required. Either you do this or you're not entering the kingdom of God. And we're going to see that again as he talks about the little child. But he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter uh, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you have Nicodemus, uh, very bright, respectable uh, Pharisees and he cannot get past his own mind because he's not understanding that this is this is not what he has grown up with man-made religion the law and don't get me wrong he kept the law better than any of us could right but yet he's not understanding that look I can physically get clean but that's not what he's talking about He's talking about your, when you're indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it makes you clean because you've repented and Christ comes within you and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's understanding. And it says in verse 6, Jesus tells him that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel uh, that I said to you, you must be born again. And so again, he tells them, again, you have to be born again. This is a, uh, something that happens by the Holy Spirit. This is something that happens when a, when a person is, is led to the understanding that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and granted forgiveness and paid your debt and you give your heart to Christ and He's redeemed you. And when you do that, and you ask Christ into your heart, you're born again. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on and says, When the, the, the wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said, How can, this, how can these things be? Sadly, he doesn't get it until Jesus is on the cross and being crucified. As he's doing the, the burial ceremony. 
And so what do, what do we have to be in order to enter the kingdom of God? You must be born again. You must be born again. Here's the, the teacher, the top teacher of Israel who knew the word, of Lord, the word of God better than probably any of us in this room and he didn't get it. He didn't get it because he was so focused on man's religion. And that's where a lot of people are. We have a lot of Nicodemuses in the church in America today. They sit in church and you ask them, you know, what do you need to be born again? Or what do you think the kingdom of God is? And they say, you know, all they have to do is believe in God. Well, even the demons believe. Right? And that's why he says in his first, his first ministry, his first public teaching, he says in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. See, when we are, we're in our sins, we haven't believed in Christ. We are dead in our trespasses. We're spiritually dead. So we have to be born again. We have to be born again. Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So God's reign is a saving reign. The kingdom of God provides an understanding of salvation, and it, it, it saves us from death, but also saves you for life. It saves you from shame, but also saves you for glory. It saves you from slavery, the slavery of sin, and saved you for freedom in Christ. And saved you uh, from sin and saved us to follow our Savior, Jesus. And we're saved from the kingdom of darkness and we're saved for the kingdom of God. See, when you trust in the kingdom of God and you live for the kingdom of God, it should have rule over every aspect of your life. It's asking Jesus into my heart. That means you're a new creation. And that's what it means for the kingdom of God. I want to make sure y'all understand that. So he has rule over everything in your life. We talked about it once before as, as the heart. Because when Jesus comes, he resides in the heart. Which is considered everything and just consider your heart having the living room and the your bedroom and there are things that need to be thrown out in the bedroom that he has to get rid of because he's you're a new creation those things have to go and it's the cleansing that happens just because you raise your hand and you give your heart to christ doesn't mean your life is fixed like that People think that. I don't know why they think that. I thought my marriage, I gave my heart to Christ, and I thought, okay, that should be it. She should be walking back in the door. Everything should be good. Took a year. Took a year of Christian counseling. Took a year of me dying to self and picking up my cross and following Christ, not her. Because I had made her my idol. See, we need to understand that the kingdom of God, right, should have rule over every aspect of your life. That should be the first thing in your life. A lot of times we'll put our spouse, we'll put our, we, we can put business, we can put kids, we can put everything, but nothing is supposed to go above Christ. It's within you. And then it tells us that we all must enter as little child, as a little child. I'm not going to get that right today. We almost enter as a little child. In verse 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, we'll hear the term thrown out childlike faith, but what does that actually mean? Right? What does childlike faith mean? The kingdom of God is the Lord's sovereign rule over people's life, but what does it actually mean to have a childlike faith? Remember in, in, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
that means that you're allowing his will his presence to guide your life on a daily basis the kingdom of god lives within the sons and daughters of christ and that's what guides your day that's why he says in in that first sermon repent for the kingdom of god is at hand that's why jesus said that it's like you need to repent and believe and then follow the kingdom of god and and there's a huge difference between that because it's the difference of of following god into eternity or following the eternal flames into hell that's the picture of that see when we don't want him to uh, to be the lord of our lives that's the direction we're going so like i said we have we have people that attend church on every sunday that are, are are like nicodemus they're theologically sound they can quote scripture to you they even serve in the church really you can do that yeah there are people that have served in the church but there's no heart change they still live differently every day of the week they come to church and everything's fine Trust me, I've met people like this. Been in ministry a long time. And, and so it, it, what it is, is they have an outward expression of faith, but there's no inward change. And it happens. In Mark chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, it says, He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, Thus, uh, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me and teach as doctrines in the commandments of men. First word there he uses is hypocrites. Believe it or not, Jesus, during Jesus' time, they actually had actors. Right? Yeah, they put on plays and stuff. They did that stuff. They wore masks to hide their identity. That's what a hypocrite is. He puts a mask on. It hides who they are. When they leave on Sunday, they take the mask off. They only put that mask on for Sunday or Wednesday when they come to service. That's it. And so for that's why he says, truly, uh, truly not that they honor me with their lips. I believe in God. Now, honestly, you ask that question to most people today, they'll tell you they believe in God. That there is a God right but what god are they worshiping they'll tell you i'm a good person and they'll take all that stuff that we talked about at the very beginning of the teaching a little bit of buddhism and a little bit of hinduism little spirituality a little bit of gnosticism and then i'll take some jesus and they believe that's christianity and that's what american woke progressive christianity is today I feel like Jesus would have talked about the Green New Deal. No, he wouldn't. He cared more about your salvation. This world has an expiration date. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to come to an end. And everything in it is going to be burned up. I can show you that in Scripture. They want you to have a social justice platform. Jesus would have had a social justice platform. Well, Jesus does. We're to love everybody. That's how that works. But that's not, that's not enough. No, that's pretty much everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. That covers everything. But see, this is where this is going. They honor me with their lips. They don't really follow me. They think all roads lead to heaven. Because that's what Tyler Perry, Steve Harvey, all of these actors are teaching now. They're, they're online teaching this stuff showing this stuff they the one of them went to dubai to the one world religion y'all know about that place right it's where they have a catholic church a synagogue for the the israelites and then a muslim church and it's called one world and they're all going to work together which is moving towards a one world religion and dubai what did they just have the world economic forum one world government I think the enemies that we're looking for are right in front of us, but we're missing it. 
The devil's working in the background, trying to move towards getting these things happening. And we need to, to know what the kingdom of God is, and we need to know what it is to actually follow Jesus. If I ask somebody today, do you believe in Jesus? They'll say yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. But if I ask the question, who is God? You're going to get a, a, a variety of answers. You ask the question, who's Jesus? You're going to get a variety of answers. Great teacher. Man, I love the stuff that he did back then. Great prophet. But not the king of kings or the Lord of lords. See, Christians today, they, they, they know the God of the Bible. They're familiar with. But they don't actually have the, the discipline to read the Word of God and apply it in their life today. Because I ain't got time for that. That's why they can't answer the question. That's why they're getting tossed to and fro like little children. And so what they do is because they can't answer the questions, they fill the blanks for themselves. So if you don't fill the blanks in for your kids, they will fill the blanks for themselves, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram, whether it's a friend, they'll fill them in. That's why having a foundation before they walk out your doors is important. But it's also you having a foundation. Because if you've done that, you need, to, you need to get back in God's Word. And so what they do is they take a little bit of everything, and they decide that I'll decide what is sin. Because I'm not in God's Word. So who defines sin? If I'm not in God's Word and I'm not applying it daily in my life, who's defining sin? You are. You decide what's good and bad. And sometimes your decisions are not always according to Scripture. And so when you define sin for yourself, and you're not open to God's Word, because that's I've, I've run into people where I've talked to them, and they believe I can be homosexual. Jesus loves me. Yeah, Jesus loves you, but he doesn't love the sin that you're in. And they get, well, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I believe I can live the way that I want. And I'm, yeah, you'll live right on the way to hell. That's where you're going. Because that's what's going to happen. But to them, they've, they've made a God in their own imagination. A God that allows them to do and create and the sin that they want to do, and it's okay. And, and that's where we're at today. That is, that is the, the, the definition of progressive American Christianity. Instead of being on their knees worshiping the King of Kings, they're on their knees and they've created a golden calf in their imagination. They've made a God here. And, and sadly, that's why he says, you honor me with, uh, you honor me with their, their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, they, at the end of the day, what God looks at is the heart. He tells us that in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his height of, the, of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so what we do is we think, well... You have the other side where I've created a God in my image and that God says that I need to do more good than bad. That's not true. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the kingdom of God. Again, that's, that's something that you've created. It's something that you, you're, you're worshiping in your own mind. Remember we had that verse that we, and I won't read it to you again, where it talks about the Pharisees See, this is what happens with religion is, is they, they end up worshiping these, uh, the man's religion. And, and, you know, Jesus gave them the most strong rebuke out of everybody was the religious. 
Because he had told them, you, you whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Even so, you are also outwardly, outwardly appear righteous to man, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. God despises disobedience. But he had a special hatred towards those who were religious. Jesus dealt with them in a, in a powerful way. And so we need to stop pretending. Stop pretending to, to worship the God of your imagination and start opening up the God who's been revealed in Scripture. The kingdom of God. Right? Because it's the kingdom of God. It, it says, for the kingdom of God is for those who are like little children. They have... The little child is it's talking about us. But he's talking about you look at it as a little child. You have no position. You have nothing to boast about. You have no pride, no power. The disciples were missing that. Remember we talked about how they were arguing about, well, who's going to sit at your right hand? They were full of pride at this point. We need to remember as, as followers of Christ in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, not Sunday, and follow me. That's why he says, The kingdom of God is God reigning in your life. Are you denying yourself? Are you denying temptation and following after him daily? If I ask the question, and this was asked actually, why do, be, why, do, uh, why do you believe that you'll spend eternity with God? You know what the number one answer is? I, I know God. Well, how do you know God? Couldn't answer it. You know what the second answer was? I'm a good person. If you're defining what is good, you're not. And you'll never be a good person because there was only one, Jesus Christ. All of us are with sin. We were born with it. That's why he says assuredly, amen. This is what he says, amen. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So he, as again, he's starting off with amen. He's saying, look, this ain't up for discussion. We're not discussing this. And he's really pointing this at the disciples, but also at us. And he's saying, look, this is not up for discussion. You come as a little child. He's trying to get the, the disciples to, to listen. What are the characteristics of a child? Now, most people will say the characteristics of a child is they're pure. Right? They're innocent. Pure mor morality. That's not true. My five-year-old just lied to me the other day, and I don't know who taught him. My grandson. You want another grilled cheese sandwich? Lied over something like that. Didn't know, didn't know he, uh, he knew he was in trouble. Because he goes, well, what did Mama say? Well, I heard Mama say no. But he goes, Mama said yes. I said, well, you lied. You need to go tell your mom. Now, who taught them that? Nobody. Nobody did. We're born with that sin nature. King David says that in Psalm 51, 5. It says, Behold, I was, I was bought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. He's recognizing that, that none of us are righteous to God. God is the judge. God is righteous. And David knows that he was born with that sin nature. Job says the same thing in Job 15, 14. What is a man that he can be pure? That's a question. Or is he born of a woman that he can be righteous? That is a question. People are born sinners because of Adam and Eve. But who, who takes the blame? The man. You're the leaders. So listen, it says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, 
one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there are no pure, uh, moral, innocent children. None. But the, the word little child means infant in the Greek. Infant. Remember we talked about that in Luke Luke 18, 15, it says, Now they were bringing, bringing even infants to him. Right? What he's talking about is an infant. An infant that is, that is solely dependent on Jesus for its every need. As an infant, did you get up and get what you needed? I didn't. My mom and dad had to feed me, change me, bathe me do everything for me just like each one of y'all and you know jesus went through that same process right and so that's what he's talking about as a little child as a little child you're dependent on jesus for everything and jesus gives us the example of what we're supposed to be as as little children in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be, uh, to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, uh, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. Being, uh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As we look at the life of Jesus, what we should look at in our own lives as little children is the first three things in those verses is you should be a servant, a servant at home, a servant in your marriage, a servant for your kids, a servant in church, a servant in community. You serve. That's what we're called to do. We are to be humble. We all need humility. All of us. But you know what the key of this is? He was obedient to God. To the point of death, even death on the cross. We're to be obedient to God because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's the kingdom of God that reigns our lives. We're also to be longing for the spiritual milk, which is actually the Word of God. This is the problem with most Christians is they don't long for the spiritual milk. Or either they... They long for it when they first come to Christ, and then they stop. They put it away. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3 through 3 says, Put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. We are to grow and be mature as well in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, to, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. That's what he's telling them. You've gotten away from God's word. You were supposed to be teaching already. You were supposed to be serving already. You were supposed to be being a man of God or a woman of God already. And you've gone back backwards. Because you've, you've left the spiritual milk. The Word of God. You need spiritual milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the Word of Righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have the power of discernment trained by con uh, constant practice distinguish good from evil. So when you're not in God's Word, you're having a hard time distinguishing what's right and what's wrong. And if you're... I, I, if I ever get to 1 Peter, we ever teach that as a book, I will bring, and you, you'll know it, I will bring a, a kiddie pool and sit inside of it. Because what is, should I be in that kiddie pool at my age? No. Should I be fed every day at my age? No. Spoon fed like a baby? No. I'm to grow up and long, not just for spiritual milk, but start getting to the solid food of the Word, the marrow, the bone, right? And, and as Christians, we need to be growing. 
And that's part of discipleship. So when he's telling you uh, as a little child, he's saying, look, you need to be completely dependent on me, Jesus, as an infant, as a little child, for everything. Well, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do for this, or I'm not sure how we're supposed to handle that. Have you gone to God in prayer? What did the Word of God tell you? What is your application for today? There are things that God is trying to speak to you through His Word, and yet you have to, you have to be in it in order to hear it. As, a, as somebody who is a, a pastor of the church, my job is to disciple you to make sure you grow so you don't stay little infants. You're supposed to grow. And one of the worst things I've seen is I've seen people who have been walking with the Lord for 15 years, and for some reason they don't think they have to read the Word anymore, or they don't have to pray anymore, and they go backwards. And it's sad, because you don't know how many people they hurt along the way because they're in their flesh, because they're not discerning what's good and evil, and they respond in their flesh instead of the Spirit. It's very simple. The thing that we do here at Calvary Chapel, this is one of the things I learned early on from Pastor Joe, and this is what I hope that you do as more people come into the church, is, is Joe taught me this. He says, I do, you watch, we talk. This is discipleship from Pastor Joe. I do, you watch, we talk. You help, we talk, you do. You get, you, you're a servant. You need to get your hands involved, right? And then we talk. We talk about, what are we talking about? Well, what do we need to work on? We know we need to work on sound. We're working on that, right? We need more people to decorate next year. We know that. Miss Elba, praise God that she was here, but she's going to need extra hands next year. Then it says, you do, I watch, we talk, you do. Eventually, you're doing it. I just watch you. And you're grabbing somebody else alongside of you and teaching them. That's how it works. That's discipleship. And then you talk with them. And then I talk with you. How's it going? How are they doing? And eventually, what you do is that person that you teach does the same thing in repetition. You don't need a discipleship class. Just grab the person and say, hey, you want to help? That's it. And you sow into them. You pray with them. You find out what's going on in their life. It's, it's about spending time. The man that discipled me, uh, Pastor Louis Delgado, one of the things he taught me early on was you need to be a servant, you need to be humble, and you need to be obedient to the Word of God. And if you do that, everything will work itself out. And every now and then I needed to be reminded, hey, you need, you're not, that's not humble. Right? Those things happen. So remember, knowing God is not enough. It's actually believing in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and asking Him into your heart, repenting of your sins, and, re and understanding that He died on the cross for you. And for, for the sins of the world that your debt is paid. But that means that the kingdom of God is within you. And that way, everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. So how are you acting at work? How are you acting around your family as the kingdom of God goes with you? Or you go to your in-laws. Right? Or you go to that, that family where you go, man, this is going to be tough. Because I have those. I have some that are like that too. I have to pray before I go because I'm like, Lord, if you give us an opportunity for a conversation to happen, let it happen. And, and a lot of times we'll see God move and be able to talk to them. They'll have a question about something that, that, that's going to them or something's going on in their life and I get to pray with them. But as soon as the beer comes out, Mike's gone. I'm not about that life anymore. I lived that life with my father. I'm not doing that again. My dad was an alcoholic. That's the last thing I want to be around is a bunch of alcoholics. I'll stay with you while you're sober. Once you get to start drinking, I'm out. I'll see you later. That's when I grab my family and I go, I'll see y'all. Y'all have, a, y have a, a blessed Thanksgiving. We'll see y'all later. And we leave early. 
but we at least appear we don't we don't not show up and it's hard but you know we take the kingdom of god everywhere we go and they need love that's what they need they need love the love of christ and that should be something that we should take with us all the time let's go ahead and pray remember a servant is humble obedient and i would add in there would be bold as well be bold let's pray father god we thank you so much for today's word we thank you for the time that we've had to be in it um i do lift up everybody's hearts here as we talk about the kingdom of god and we talk about being a little child lord i pray that each one of us maybe we're struggling in an area uh, where we haven't given everything over to you or we're being more dependent on ourselves than dependent on you maybe we're not dying daily um or or, or maybe we've 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 as we go around we're not carrying the kingdom of god with us we're carrying the kingdom of flesh and i just pray lord just for you you know that's what the beauty of your grace is your mercy is we just repent and and you're there you help us get back up and get moving again um the key is is when we have these scriptures like this when it's a little difficult uh we just pray for application we look hey if there's something that you poked our heart with let's turn it over to you and and let's uh let's not wear the mask of hypocrisy uh but let's walk uh with you and 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 let that die as we die to ourselves daily to follow you lord uh, we thank you so much for all that you're doing and we ask these things in jesus name amen Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.